Hello everybody, welcome back to Discussing Doodles. The podcast where we talk about an animated movie from a different animation studio each week. Before we begin, we just want to say that some spoilers will be ahead. So if you've yet to see this movie and don't want it spoiled, stop listening now. Final disclaimer, when we get excited, we tend to swear. Although we talk about family movies, this isn't a family podcast. You You have have been been warned. Hello. Hiya. Welcome back to Discussing Doodles. I am Mark. I am Luke. And it's Pixar Week. It is Pixar Week. I like Pixar Week. I like Pixar Week. You're always safe with Pixar, aren't you? I mean... Mm, So far we have been, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, Last week was Don Bluth. Yeah. Shanty <laughs> Rock a doodle. What did? How did it do? Fifty seven. Fifty seven. That's all right for it. Yeah, I reckon it's probably about right to be honest. Yeah, I've forgotten it. <laughs> but it has been two weeks for us. We have had a big bit of a gap of. We have been busy. It hasn't just um, been a week with life. I remember them saying Shanty Claire. A lot. A lot. I remember the weird live action scenes. Oh, I did forget them until right now. And then also the owl, like, vomiting... Vomiting animation. Animation. <laughs> anyway, this week oh, is... Oh, my God, um, you shook the whole world. This week is The Incredibles. Oh, my God, I've been waiting for this week since we started discussing doodles. Hang on, let me just do my... Lovely. Little slurp. <sighs> Lovely. The Incredibles... I haven't seen this film in a fair number of years. Right, has it been a while? It's been a while for me. And um, I forgot just how incredible it was. It's so good. It was one of those films that I watched a lot as a child. You did. It was one of See, my that, that was my, my thing, is I got a little bit sick of it. Oh, impossible. <laughs> because you played it... Like, it's okay watching a film maybe like once a week or once every few days. There was one point in 2005, I think, where it was just always on in the living room. It's because nothing else beats it. It's so (laughs) good. And like, I even said it to you while we were watching it today. I was like, genuinely, every film could blink out of existence. And if I still had this one, I'd be fine. Um, Like, I genuinely would be fine. (laughs) I said this to you earlier, and I've been thinking about it ever since. And I think I'm standing by what I said to you earlier. Okay. I said that I think, to my mind, The Incredibles is the greatest computer animated movie ever. I can't think of a CGI movie that I enjoy more than The Incredibles. Okay. Or that I think... I don't necessarily think the animation is the best for CGI. It's got no. better since then, yeah. definitely. But I can't think of a of a movie that just feels like a better... Yeah, it's Journey such a good overall. time, isn't it? I can think of traditional animated ones. I can think of about 20 traditional animated ones yeah. that I think are better. But I can't think of any other CGI ones that I think are better. Okay. That's a lot, and I'm saying that straight up. Yeah. And I'm, because of that, I think we could... I think something special might happen today. I think we have a fierce contender for... It's got a break top five. Easy. Right? Easy. Right? Because... I think it's better than both Toy Stories. Okay. And they're in the top five, aren't they? No. Yeah. Toy Story 2 is, right? Right. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I think it's got to get in top five easy. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> oh, I love it. It's genuinely one of my favourite films of all time. And I actually think it's perfect. 
Okay. So to me, it should be because <laughs> I, I, gun to my head, would struggle to come up with some negatives for this film. Yeah. I think I can only think of one. Which is? That CGI's got better since 2004. Yeah. And that's it. And that's not, nothing to do with them because in 2004, it looks stupendous. Okay, so should we just give it a 90 and walk away and end the podcast? Yeah, now? see you later, guys. <laughs> Next week, DreamWorks. <laughs> right, okay, let's go. Story, what are we talking about? Okay, well, this is a 2004 American computer animated superhero film. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I would go as far as to say, people think I'm joking when I say this, but I actually mean it, best superhero film ever made. So I have this theory that if you make a, not a piss take, but a slightly comedic homage to a genre of film. Yes. Quite often you'll end up making the best version. Yes. Because Agreed. my examples I always like to use are Kingsman. Yeah. Was sort of a piss takey homage to spy films, and, and yet it's somehow the best spy film. it's the best spy film For ever. Sure. Right. And then Shaun of the Dead. Yep. Is the, the best, best zombie, zombie movie ever. Right. Absolutely. And it started off as like a piss take, and maybe Incredibles is down the same vein. It's, it really it's, is. It's the best superhero film. No, no others come close <laughs> there was another superhero film that came out the same year that i think you have to give a it's little bit it's the second of... best superhero film i will say it <laughs> 2004 was a good year hand on heart it's the second and best and they both had a superhero trying to stop a train true no true which one did it first did they both know i don't know i think i reckon they both knew i don't know Whichever one came out first, I bet they were like, fuck's sake. We are, of course, talking about Spider-Man 2. Oh, yeah, Spider-Man 2. Yeah, plot. I mean, as far as I'm aware, they're the only two stopping train superhero films. That came out in 2004. Just ever, really, <laughs> I know, Yeah, ever, yeah. I don't <laughs> no know. more springs to mind. Um, but yes. Thomas Tank Engine. Is he a superhero? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in March. To me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... Um, for those who have lived under a rock since 2004, should we say basic story? Yeah, go for it. So we're sort of, we're set in like the 60s, aren't we? So I'll tell you, we are set, the main, the main story, the present day story, yes. takes place in 1962. Right. Which means that the opening takes place in 1947. Right. So some time travel for you. And like we were saying, actually, it's quite nice to have a modern animated film that isn't set in present day. Yeah. Particularly a superhero film that's not set in present day. Mm. Like, superhero films are always set in present day. Yeah, it's cool so to So it's have so it cool to 60s. have one that's like 60s comic book era. And um, you get those cool, like, because of that, the architecture of, yeah. like, Syndrome's lair is all, like... Um, Sort of, you know, like in the sixties, they had this kind of really romanticized idea about what the future would look like, like Thunderbirds and James Bond and all of yes. that. It had that kind of incorporated it into it for sure. It? It's so good. Um, so the story sees, I guess, Mister Incredible and Elastigirl, who are two separate superheroes, get married, um, and then all superheroes are kind of like shunted aside, aren't they? Yeah. So um, there's a couple of situations where people start complaining about the work that superheroes do, and they start sort of, sort of suing them, don't they? Yeah. Um, and then they basically all get shut down. Yeah. So they like retire essentially, and they have three children, and they're living a relatively normal life until Mister Incredible decides to sort of get back at it again because he sort of gets enticed in doesn't he he's never really let it go he always listens to a police scanner and wants to save people and he gets enticed into doing 
proper superhero work for good money. Mm-hmm. We were saying three times his salary. Whoa! Imagine getting three times your salary. A to dream. Do love a dream. Like somebody just said, just do discussing doodles for three times your salary. <laughs> oh my god! Release an episode every fucking day. Yeah, life would be great. <laughs> We've completed it so far. Yeah. <laughs> um. And then, obviously, his family get involved in all the drama, and thus is born The Incredibles, a fa- a team of family supers. I read, have you read about um, Brad Bird, who, for those of you who don't know, wrote, directed, and starred in this movie? Mm-hmm. Um, have you heard him, dis- him explaining why he gave each of the characters their superpowers? I did read it, but I haven't. It's really cool. So yeah, he says so. that, like, when you look at a family, mm-hmm. everyone says the dad has to be strong. So he gave the dad super strength. Mm-hmm. He said the mum always gets pulled, uh, you know, in a million different directions um, and has to be really flexible. So he gave her the elastic stretch powers. Mm-hmm. He says that, uh, teenage girls are normally very insecure and defensive at that age. So he gave... Uh, Violet the ability to go invisible and put up shields and force fields and he says and 10 year old boys are normally super hyperactive <laughs> you know yeah. just like hyper um, so he gave uh, he gave Dash super speed and then he says that babies are obviously unrealised potential and that's why he gave Jack Jack the everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> the super, ability super to do whatever he wants <laughs> yeah. I always get this weird moment where I want to call the baby Jack and the boy Dash Dash <laughs> Jack and Dash. <laughs> have, to, have to remember that one is called Dash and one is called Jack Jack. Um, but yeah, so Brad Bird, as we were just talking about, was inspired by 1960s comic books and spy films. Do you know what comic book he credits as one of his biggest inspirations? Which one? The Nick Fury series. Love. Which I think is really cool, considering Samuel L. Jackson was in this and then famously became Nick Fury. So. Yeah. That's cool. Full circle. Yeah. Circle of life. Um, but yeah, he's inspired by 1960s comics and spy films, which really comes across. Mm-hmm. Like, inspiration did its job. Because mm-hmm. you can see it everywhere. Um, and he pitched... We have mentioned this before. He pitched this story to Warner Brothers, um, who did decline it, because Brad, who directed Iron Giant, was a box office failure. So Brad Warner, was. Warner, Iron Giant yeah, was. Iron Giant was a box office failure. What was it, Brad, who directed Iron Giant, was a box office oh, failure? I did word it like that, but I meant the film Iron Giant. And I guess Brad in some terms. Yeah. Um, um, and that's why Warner Brothers right now, because Iron Giant didn't do very well. Which is crazy, because Iron Giant's so fucking good. Yeah, it is. Um, so that's when in he went to... Um, John Lester. Lester. So he and John Lester were old friends because they they studied at Cal Arts together. They did. And they would have been in classroom A113. And John Lester actually tried to get Brad Bird to come to Pixar twice before he finally got there. He wanted him to work on Bugs Life. um, And I think he wanted him to work on Monsters, Inc. as well. And Brad Bird turned him down both times. Bugs Life, he turned him down for Iron Giant because he was already working on that. Um, but I think when it, when Brad got to the point where he was like, right, now I need another option, he went. He then went to Pixar. Went to, yeah. And this is the first and only time that some that there's been a Pixar movie with just one director. Yeah, and, and writer. One writer. Yeah, who and did, been the did same everything. person. Yeah, yeah. and I've it's Brad Bird. 
Yeah. He's a genius. He is, isn't he? He's an actual like genius. Both Iron Giant and this, you can tell that he has a vision for things mm. and he doesn't stop until the vision happens, which yeah. I love. Um, he's very good at bringing things to life. Um, yeah, and... Yeah, so this was Pixar's first film to be written and directed by the same person, and it was also Pixar's first film to have an all-human cast. Yes, because we've discussed this many times before. Yeah, that it's a smart decision. Yes. And so Brad, obviously, coming from an external company, Mm -hmm. he was still used to cell animation, where people were quite comfortable with human beings on traditional 2D cell animation. We were comfortable with how they look. Mm -hmm. Um, So he he came with this movie, and he basically... Uh, John Lasseter described it as... What, hang on, I wrote, wrote it down. Um, <laughs> he describes uh, Brad Bird's idea for The Incredibles as everything computer-generated animation has troubled, has trouble with. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, literally. Like, yeah. It's, like, it was their biggest challenge ever at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, so far they've done what? Toys, monsters, bugs, fish... fish. Time for people. People. But it's very smart. Early days CG. We were, we said it way back when we did Toy Story in Series 1 that, like, the people looked rough, but they were very clever with how much yeah. of the person you actually saw. And all the kids at Andy's birthday were all Andy. Yeah. That's so scary. They, actually, I'll get that. I'll get onto that when we get to animation. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, in 1993, Brad actually sketched a picture of this, like, family when yeah. he was in... Um, he was, like, unsure of his future in film... And he just sketched this little family of, like... I think he always knew he wanted, like, dad going through a midlife crisis, mm. family having to deal with it, shy teenage girl, cocky little boy, mm. and a baby. was always, like, the vibe. Um, from 1993, he did the sketch. So it took almost ten, eleven 11 years later. 11 years later, The yeah. Incredibles is born. I'm very glad it was born. I think it's great. I think it's a great story as well. We were saying when we were watching it, like... It's like, it's a really nice blend. Because I think a lot of the time, surface level, people think The Incredibles is very funny, which is correct, because it is mm. hilarious. Genuine laugh out loud funny. We um, laughed out loud. I, sh- I, sh- I should have done a count. Oh, yeah, we should have done it, shouldn't we? But it was a lot. It was a lot. lot. It was it's a, lot. a funny, funny film. Because yeah. uh, it's smartly funny as well. Um, but it's a perfect balance between that and really, it's got some really intense, some dark moments. Really, really dark. Yeah. And there were moments where I was covered in goosebumps. There yeah. were moments when I like welled up. Me my too. My throat went lumpy. Yeah. Like, there, it's crazy. It's, um, and it's a perfect mix. I don't know how he does it. I think mm. it's really difficult to mix funny with serious. So this effectively as well. Because you, you got one scene all of a sudden, you know, when it's when Helen says over the radio, there are children aboard this plane. Yeah. And you see... Uh, Bob's face, like yeah, realize yeah. my children. And he think for a whole section of that movie, he, he thinks his wife dead. and kids yeah, are dead. He has a full breakdown. It's so sad. Yeah, there's a guy trying to commit suicide. <laughs> yeah, we've got robots that's been assassinating heroes all the time. Like all the heroes. That are moment dead. when he realizes, and then he he so he like realizes that all these heroes have been dead to sort of develop this robot. Yeah, and he searches Helipar. It says her location is unknown. Not Helen Parr, he searches Elastigirl. Because they knew she was Helen Parr, they'd know where she was. (laughs) You moron. Searches Elastigirl, says unknown. What I did notice though, he searches Frozone and it says location known. Yeah. Now either Syndrome didn't think Frozone was worth it. Yeah. So he just kind of left him out of it. Or did he think Frozone was too good and he didn't want to... 
Frozone might, Frozone might have been later down the line. Yeah, that's the thing, because he was like... Once so Frozone Mr. Incredible might was be terminated, he may have gone to Frozone. Frozone next, so... Maybe. Yeah. And then Syndrome himself, the villain, what a way to go. Oh, yeah. It's quite dark. Knock it! It's quite dark, this film, when it wants to be. Yes. Um, but I think the balance between funny and dark is great, because as a... As I said, I watched this nearly daily when I was a child, and I was never like scarred by the darkness of it. The no. blend is so well done that I don't even think parents worry that this film is too dark for their children. When this film is dark, it is dark. But the thing is, I don't think children are as I think. In, like, I'm going to sound like a boomer now. Oh, here we go. But I think today we think children are much more sensitive than they are. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, you know. You look at the movies that we grew up with, mm-hmm. and I'm really fucking glad I grew up with them because they were awesome stories. Yeah, they were. But you and look it, at the movies that come out today, they're so soft by comparison. They are. Like, bad guys don't die anymore. No. You're not allowed to kill off your Clayton bad guy. fucking hung himself in Tarzan. Literally, and you saw his dead body, <laughs> dead body dangling. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> that wouldn't happen today. <laughs> Never. And even 2004, like, we had the guy in the opening legitimately tried to commit suicide, commit suicide by jumping off a building and then was trying to sue Mr. Incredible because Mr. Incredible saved, <laughs> saved him and he him. wanted to die. Yeah. You wouldn't get that at all. I saved your life and he was like, you ruined my death. Yeah. <laughs> like that would not, that would not fly no. today. That would not fly. And then Syndrome being cut up by an airplane thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. That would never happen. <sighs> what a movie. It's so good. It's so epic. And genuinely, I think superhero films of today want to be it. They want to be the Incredibles. Um, should we jump in with some scores then? Yeah, I think we should, shouldn't we? Um, do you want to go first or shall I? Up to you. I'll go first. Go on then. I think it's quite easy. Go. It's a ten. Yeah. It is. Do you agree? It's perfect. You know, we often talk about pacing issues. Yeah. This film has the opposite issue. Yeah. And I'm watching it, I'm like, can you just... Stop. Can you just stop for a minute so I can <laughs> yeah. check my phone? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Can you stop for a minute so I can let the dog out? Yeah. There's no... It doesn't no. stop. You're so like, in it as yeah. well every second. And it, what's nice is it does It does have moments where it slows down, but they're really nice character moments yeah, that you, you don't want to miss. You don't want to miss them because yeah. they're so like important. And yeah, I think it deals with everything so correctly. Some it's movies, a film done right. When we do this podcast, there are some movies where I quite like making notes as I go, mm. or I like making notes and researching whilst I'm watching the movie, so I'm doing both yes. at the same time. Saves time. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a, you know, if the film's a little bit harder to get through, especially when we're watching some of those, you know, like Sony animation ones, mm-hmm. you know, the open seasons and stuff, I'm actually more interested in the research I'm doing than the movie that's on the TV. Yeah. Movies like The Incredibles, you cannot do that. No. So you have to do both things separately. Yeah. Um, because you look away for for two minutes in this movie and you've missed something you've missed incredible. a chunk yeah <laughs> like... you've missed a chunk everything's important everything's there for a reason every character's there for a reason it's a movie done correctly yeah everything is what it everything does what it should do should we talk about characters yeah there's a few Come they're on. all really good talk me through um, so we've got your family uh, Bob Parr and Helen Parr who are Mr Incredible and Elastigirl called Parr because Parr means just like normal love it, it? yeah like, in yeah, the originals they were Smiths yes but um, yeah I'm alright with that being changed that's too obvious yeah um, and then their kids Violet Dashiell and Jack Jack Dashiell Dashiell Robert Parr 
is his name. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Violet, Dash and Jack-Jack are the kids. I wonder what their superhero names would be. So I know Dash. Yeah. Because he put his suit on and he says, I'm the Dash. The Dash, yeah, he so did. he called himself true. the Dash. That's yeah. true. I don't know what Violet would call herself. The Invisible Woman is taken. What about Invisigirl? Like Invisigirl, yeah. Girl and Invisigirl. Invisigirl. Um, Elastigirl. That's just the thing. Oh, that's taken. Was... <laughs> Elastigirl, there was a thing that DC have an Elastigirl character. They do, yeah. And um, they... When they heard about the production of the movie, they sort of kicked up a bit of a fuss. And they came to an agreement that she can be referred to as Elastigirl in the movie, as in in the dialogue and the story of the movie, as she is. But in none of the promotional material or Mm -hmm. the toys or the games or the books... Is she ever referred to as Elastigirl? She's right. referred to as Mrs. Mrs. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. So, and some people call her Mrs. Incredible, but in yeah. the movie, she's never once called Mrs. No. Incredible. Mirage goes to say it, and she gets punched around the face. Yeah. By Elastigirl, <laughs> which is probably their way of being like, "No, we're not saying." I'm sorry. Mrs. Incredible. I'm, I'm openly not a massive DC fan anyway. Mm. I respect Batman for his rogues gallery more than anything. Yeah, the best. Um, second. <laughs> the best. <laughs> but. Um, I so I to me there is only one Elastigirl and she wasn't made by DC Comics no, she was made by Pixar for sure 100% yeah. this is the Elastigirl and she is such a good character she's so good is she I love the best her. character yeah she's in my top I've got a top three for sure oh, and okay. she's in it yeah. well, let's go through them all and then we'll talk about yeah. our top three um, so that's the family and yeah. then we have Syndrome um, who is the villain? Who was originally a minor villain in the original story, but under minor villain people who <laughs> people wanted him to be a bit more. Um, and I like his his story. I like that he is a villain because of Mister Incredible. Yes. Um, and I love that it comes back to bite him on the bum. Um, so basically, Syndrome was this little boy called Buddy who really, really, really wanted to be Mister Incredible's sidekick, Incredible Boy. Um, and Mr. Incredible was like, God, God, this kid's fucking annoying. And in the end, Syndrome was born. Um, and I think he's a good villain. Yeah. He's one of Pixar's best villains. He has some really funny good moments as well. His line, um, was, you know, the line, you sly dog, you got me monologuing. That was voted like the number 15th best movie line of all time. Oh, is it? I love it. I love it. Because again, it's that, it's that taking the piss out of a genre thing mm. because in every spy film and superhero film a villain will do a now I've got you in my trap and I'm doing this because of that and I'm yeah. better than you and you can't win and while they're doing it the hero wins yeah. and I love that Syndrome acknowledges that and so do Frozone and Mr Incredible they joke about it at the start don't they yeah. that villains always start monologuing start and they're monologuing, like yeah. for goodness sake like yeah it's a good little a good little nod to mm. the genre um, speaking of Frozone Frozone's a character. Frozone's a character. Um, voiced Samuel by Samuel L. Jackson, Jackson. Um, who is pretty perfect for the role. Yeah. We have Mirage, who yeah. is sort of Syndrome's sexy assistant lady. Yeah. <laughs> um, you've got Edna Mode, who <laughs> designs superhero costumes, um, voiced by Brad Bird, the director and writer of The Incredibles. I'm guessing he voiced her just because he knew what wanted her no, to sound like so or not. he voiced her when they were doing like their storyboard that's reels right. and stuff that's right yes and then 
as production went on, they were still looking for somebody to voice her. Right. And they couldn't find anyone that was as good or did it as good. And in the end, I think um, John Lasseter was like, Brad, why don't you just, just do, do it? it? Yeah. So he did. Yeah. So iconic. Um, and then we have the slightly smaller characters. So you've got Rick Dicker. <laughs> Is that his name? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think they always call him Agent Dicker or Mr. Dicker, but he's called Rick Dicker. Amazing. Rick Dicker is this sort of um, men in black. Yeah. Kind of guy who who sort of goes around to make sure that the public has forgotten what yeah, the superheroes like have done. Yeah, he rehabilitates the superheroes and stuff. Yeah. Um, you've got Gilbert Hupf, who is Mr. Incredible's sassy boss. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or Bob Parr's sassy boss, not yes. Mr. Incredible's. <laughs> um, voiced by the guy who does Rex yeah. in Toy Story. Um, and then you've got Tony Reidinger, <laughs> who is Violet's little, little crush, yeah. who actually looks like all of the famous celebrities of today. Yes, he <laughs> does. He? Yeah. I feel like he's the benchmark for people like Shawn Mendes and Timothy Chalamet and Tom yeah. Holland. Like he's like the benchmark. It's Tony Reidinger. Tony Reidinger. <laughs> you got Bon Voyage, who is this um, French mime artist bomb villain. Yeah. <laughs> who's great. Uh, we see him briefly in the opening. You got Kari, who is a babysitter for Jack Jack. Honey, who is Frozone's wife. I never realised that she was called Honey, honey. until today. Right. He, obviously, the really famous line where he's like, Honey, yeah. where is my super suit? I always thought that he was just calling her like Honey. Like, yeah. yeah. And then earlier in the film, Helen, uh, Helen says, I'll say hi to Honey for me. And I was like, oh my God, that's her name? Yeah, it is. <laughs> she is quite possibly the most iconic character who never appears on screen in yeah. anything ever. <laughs> Why do you need to know? <laughs> It's so good. Um, he says, he says, um, uh, something about the greater good. It's for the greater good, yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'm the greatest good you're ever going to get. She's so iconic. I don't even know what she looks like. I love it. Um, and then we end on the Underminer, who is sort of the next villain for the Incredibles to face. It's sort of a cliffhanger. Mm. Um, and he's voiced by John Ratzenberger, who is in every Pixar film. Yes. We've spoken about this many times Many, many before. times, yeah. Um, so a great bunch of characters. I actually, other than maybe Bob's boss, I actually think I rate them all very highly. Even the small little ones. Yes. Yeah. They're all really nice. And like I said, I think Brad sort of worked out the perfect formula for a story and a movie. All the characters are there for a reason. Nobody's just like there for the sake of it. No. Everybody does something. Everybody gets you a bit further along in the story even if they're, like, a small role. I think yeah. it's great. Um, so go... So I have a top three. Do you have a top... I have a top three, but I have a fourth that I kind it's of like want to It's, like, so include. close. Yeah. Okay. Um, so my top three... I don't know what order either, so I'm... I'm oh, okay, yeah, I don't know what order either. Okay. It's, like, them all the same. So mine are Frozone. Yeah. Uh, Elastigirl. Yeah. And... I've forgotten the last one. <laughs> That's not good, is it? No. Uh, oh, Edna, obviously. Edna. <laughs> Edna. <laughs> okay. What are yours? Um, Elastigirl, Violet and Edna. Okay, so we just swap Violet and Frozone and we got the same. Yeah. But my fourth, who's really close, is Dash. Dash is a really good character. Dash has so a couple funny. of my favourite moments. Yeah. My favourite line in the whole film <laughs> is when they're sitting in the cave hiding out and um, Violet's practising her force field on the fire. Yeah. And then Dash just goes, well... Not that this isn't fun, but <laughs> <laughs> and then just starts like walking off. 
<laughs> so, so good. good. I love when he runs on water for the first time. And he kind of like he cause he thinks he's gonna go in yes. the water. And yeah. he runs and he sort of looks down at his feet and he does that little chuckle and then just like speeds up. So good. So good. But genuinely they're all really good, likable characters. I think they're all great. Yeah. Um genuinely do love them all. But yeah. Um Can you do? Oh no. Oh, no. Well, we've done Honey and Frozone. <laughs> yes, we have, yeah. <laughs> um, and you've sort of done Dash. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> so, we're a little way through. Um, oh, God, I don't know. Right, there's one obvious one that you have to do. Oh, God. It's just, like, it's just part of it, isn't it? Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> I get nervous at this bit. Okay. It's like doing an actual performance, isn't it? Is, it is, isn't it? I feel like I've got an audience waiting. <laughs> okay, I think... I love the way she goes, your suit can stretch as far as you can without injuring yourself. That was really good. That was really good. I was just going to go, cream and sugar. So good. Everything she says is iconic, though. It's hard yeah. to choose the one. Yeah. I never um, look back, darling. It distracts from the now. <laughs> no capes. No capes. Oh, um, I love it. Edna Mode is the best. Yeah. The best. I've, I always feel like if, if I could do a impression of, of Rex. Rex from Toy Story, that'd be one of the best voices to do. Yeah, it would, wouldn't it? That actor is in, I can't remember what his name is, but he's in Gossip Girl. Is he? Uh, he gets married to Blair's... Oh, you said this in a Toy Story podcast, Mom. I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I just, every time he popped up, I was like, oh, oh there he is. There he is. <laughs> um, but no, I, his voice is so distinct, isn't it? It is. It's... An iconic voice. Yeah. It belongs to him and him only, I feel. You know? As does John Ratzenberger's voice. Yeah. They're so, like... And they are, like, Pixar classics as well yeah. at this point. I don't know. People are... It's hard, actually. We've done our Frozen and Honey and Edna. They are the go-tos, I think, in terms of impressions. A couple of weeks ago, I think, Alice in Wonderland, we talked about animated crushes. Yeah. Let me tell you... TikTok is super, super horny for Elastigirl. For Elastigirl, yeah. Like, big time. I'm not surprised, though. She's very sexy. She is sexy. She's very and sexy. Uh, I, I didn't notice it as a kid. Right. This coming-of-age thing. Yeah, as you get older, you're like, oh, hang on a second. Hang on, Val. <laughs> Elastigirl's sexy, what? Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. You need to be a bit more flexible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she... She's everything in this film. I genuinely think she is, like... I Well, no, maybe not, because they do all go through shit. But I just think she goes through shit. Not the most. Okay, I'll take it. I was going to say she goes through the most shit. But like we were saying, Mr. Incredible genuinely thought his family had died. Mm. That was probably the most shit. But I would say Elastigirl deals with shit better than anybody. That moment where she thought he was having an affair. Yeah was heart-wrenching. Yeah. And again, another moment that you don't pick up on as a kid. No, no, no. As an no. adult, you think... She's waving him off and she's she's just saying to him, like, oh, I love you. And you think, oh, she's just saying goodbye when you're a kid. Yeah. When you're older, you realise it's because she's found a hair on his suit, she thinks. Yeah. Oh. It's so sad. Um, she She's the best at dealing with shit. Yeah. I think. I mean, the whole plane scene is the perfect example. Yes. Um, the actress, what's she called? Holly... I can't remember I won't say Holly Holiday, but I know that's wrong. Glee. <laughs> 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 she actually learned like proper like uh, military 
Air Force lingo. So all that stuff she's saying, like India Golf 99er and all yeah. that, <laughs> is, <laughs> is all like real shit. And like, so she's saying like, um, real shit. it's real shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> she's saying like, uh, um, oh, I'm, I'm on the East track or yeah. like, and all that. They're all mean stuff. Damn. And it's and it's accurate to what the character is doing as well, and what they're so it's all I like feel like realistic. if I was ever an actor or an actress or an actress, <laughs> uh, clearly feeling very gender fluid today. Um, if if I was an actor, I think I would like. I think I'd be notorious for being a very lazy one. I feel like I'd suck on the research side, <laughs> wouldn't you? Uh, I'd never go out of my way to research shit for a job. <laughs> I would just if I was doing a a, a role, I'd just play it. I, I've never done any professional acting in my life. I have done amateur acting, and let me tell you, I am notorious for being a really lazy one. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so like, like I yeah. do know what you mean. I just never, I know, I never could do that. For example, I'd never be no. like, you know what? I'm gonna go out of my way and actually learn plain terms like i'm gonna say just put it in the fucking script and i'll read it yeah exactly. like, i'd be so lazy about <laughs> yeah, it yeah. like that's dedication you write it i'll do it i'll say it it's not it's like, right? have you what? seen the sketch in the extras when um ricky gervais's character asks ian mckellen like oh how are you such a good actor and he just goes well the trick is i pretend to be someone else <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like yeah but you know like oh like and he goes oh no it's, it's it's really easy, actually. He says, they write it in the script and I read it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's his tip. How to be an actor. He was on Graham Norton recently. He said that's one of his favourite things. Yes. He rewatches it. Yeah. He rewatches yeah. that scene when he's that. sad or something. I was like, oh my God, stop. Because it always so makes him cute. laugh. That's adorable. Um, anyhow, massive tangent as per usual. What are we going to rate these wonderful bunch of characters? It is a wonderful bunch of characters. I've um, got a lovely bunch of characters. There aren't any real negatives to them, are there? I don't think so. Because as much as I said, I don't even like Bob's boss. Again, he serves his purpose He's very so good well. at his part, yeah. He's so good at being a little dick. Rick Dicker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give them a 10. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. I consider the 9.5, but actually, there's nothing wrong with it. I want to give it a 9.5 because I don't want it to all be like 10s. 10s, 10s, 10s across ten, ten. the board. But I can't justify it. They're perfect. Yeah. Tony Ryan. <laughs> they so This funny. film has scored more than Open Season 2 already. Has it? We've just done two. Oh my God. Well, <laughs> that goes to show one how good this is and how bad that was. <laughs> okay. Jesus Christ. Let's talk about the animation. Let's talk about... Um, so Brad Bird obviously had a lot of traditional animation experience. And he'd come from that sort of background, which is why this posed a challenge for Pixar. Um, he was actually asked to bring over a lot of his own staff as well, um, because Pixar were working on Cars at this point. Incredibles was meant to come out after Cars. Interesting. My brain cannot accept that. But they were so ahead of schedule that it actually ended up coming out two years earlier. I think Cars actually took them longer than they expected yeah. to. I think both movies were meant to come out, out around 2005. One came yes. out in 2004, one came out in 2006. Cars is one of those films where I still feel like it's new. 
Do you get? <laughs> it's 2006. It's old now. It's old, yeah. It, and it's had so many fucking sequels. Sequels, yeah. And it's got a TV show coming. But in my it's brain, like, yeah, they announced it on Disney Plus Day the other day. This needs a TV show. Hell yeah, it does. I want a TV show set in 1947. Yes. In fact, maybe a bit earlier than that. Yes. I, like, I want to see... Mr. Incredible become Mr. Incredible. Yes, and I want to see him meet Elastigirl. Meet Elastigirl, meet, meet Frozo, meet Gazer Beam. Beam. <laughs> meet Edna. Edna. Get his first suit his made first by suit her. Get his first suit by Edna. Oh my God, and she's still doing capes at that point. Oh my God, it needs to happen. There's so much potential in the list of superheroes that they name. Yeah, and you can have Bon Voyage as a like recurring villain. villain. Yes, Buddy towards the end can come in and try to be Incredible Boy. Yeah. Oh my god, and it we can even have the proposal of Bob and Helen. Yes, you can see how that all happens. You can see their their romance develop. I want it. I want it. I want that now. Disney, do it. I know you're listening. You're always fucking listening. Just do it. <laughs> Just do it. Just do it. Anyway, animation we were talking about. Sorry, yeah. We went um, on a <clears throat> So, Brad Bird, although nowadays he's very much a Pixar man. Yes. At this point, he was an outsider. But yes. he was also a traditionalist at this point. So what he did is he brought a whole bunch of people from the Iron Giant team who were traditional animators... And he said, let's incorporate some of what we know into this movie. And what he tried to do was re-educate Pixar on the principles of the Nine Old Men. Love. So that was his mission. Oh, I meant to mention them in the characters, but I didn't do it now. <laughs> and that's why Frank and Ollie have their little cameo in it, because they're two of the most famous of the, of the Nine Old Men. Um, as I mentioned earlier... This movie involves everything Pixar and computer animation was uncomfortable with at mm. this time, right? Um, and they just had to get on with it and, and go with it. There were some new technologies that came out for this movie, um, which is something in a lot of these early Pixar movies, there is always a new technology that's helped yeah. them. Um, one of them is called subs- subsurface scattering, um, which you see in all CGI now but before this movie it hadn't really been used before so that's the idea that so you know if you hold your hand in front of a light where mm-hmm. the light's really close and you see oh. the redness yes. come through yeah so that's that idea that there is a almost translucent so this is to get a, a more realistic looking skin texture so it's almost like a translucent layer on top of the more solid layer which is true of our skin, yeah. right? Even though you don't see it. like I don't look at you and think, oh, there's a bit of translucentness on your face. Yeah. But if you hold your hand in front of a light really close, you see that. You see that yeah. red come through. Yeah. So this is the first movie to actually have a, a technology that kind of simulated that idea. Um, they also had a new bit of technology called LPIX. Or, I, I'm calling it LPIX, but I just read it as L-P-I-C-S. Oh, LPIX. LPIX yeah. sounds cool, right? Yeah. Um, so this allowed them to make lighting changes. Um, Does that sound for something? Light I imagine in computer scenarios or something. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's what it means. Um, so the, these lighting changes. So previously, if they wanted to change the lighting in a Pixar movie, they could do it, but the computer would take 2,000 seconds to render that. 2,000 seconds. Yeah, I don't really know how long that is and why they measure it in seconds, but 2,000 seconds uh, to render 
a lighting change. Uh, when this movie came along with the Elpix, they could then do it instantly. Mm. So they can just move the light around wow. and do it instantly, which is cool. Um, some stats for you. Go on. Uh, there were 35 explosions. Wow. 189 buttons pressed. Wow. And 640 gunshots in this movie. Wow. Um, and there were 95 different outfits, which actually doesn't sound like a lot, but across all the characters, there yeah. were 95 different outfits. Now, because this is the first time we really had human characters wearing human clothes as a real focus of the movie, they had a real-life tailor come in. Oh, wow. And work with the animators to create realistic clothes, clothes. with realistic acting, uh, sort of, like, fabrics and That's so stuff. cool. So they had a real tailor come in, um, which is really cool. Um, what else have I got? If we go on to quickly, it's a Pixar movie, so you expect to see some Easter eggs, right? Oh, yes. A113's in it twice. Yeah. Um, Mirage takes it's him to room mentioned A113, well. and she says it. Um, and also when uh, Helen is looking for Bob, you know, she pops her head down into the vent. It's one of your favourite bits. Yeah. And she, she looks on the coordinates. <laughs> yeah. And it's... <laughs> he's, he's in cell 13... In block A1. A1. A113. Right. And that's Bob. when she goes, Bob. And the guy's like, did what? you say something? No, I didn't know. I didn't say that. <laughs> um, yeah. And then... <laughs> Bob. This isn't really animation, but, but it sort of is. Say it anyway. Um, you know when you go... In the olden days, before they were all made digital, when you went to see a film at cinema, you could see them change the reel, and that little orange oval pops up in the top... Yes, yeah, right yeah. Corner. For The Incredibles, what they did, because that still came out in the time when we had a real... It's only recently that we've changed that to actually all digital. Yeah. So, <laughs> for The Incredibles, because that's basically a little marker yes. to show this is the start of a new reel. Right. This is the end of an old reel or whichever, whichever. way around it is. And it's just meant to be like a just a little oval just to indicate that that's happening. Um, on The Incredibles reels, it was The Incredibles logo. Was it? Yeah, so when you watched it at the cinema, for a split second every now and then, you'd see the Incredibles logo pop up in the top corner. Oh, that's so cool. Which is really cool. Um, there was a, a model they created called Standard Man. Mm-hmm. Um, so they needed... There's obviously a lot of people in this. So they needed a, a, a Standard Man model because every time they create a new model, it's very time-consuming. Um, they have to start with nothing. So they made just a really boring looking standard man and they managed to sort of like push him and squeeze him around to make him look like different characters. So, um, for example, Dash's school teacher, um, Dash's school principal, the underminer, um, they're all standard man that's just been pushed and squeezed around and is wearing different clothes. Yeah, so they're the, same, they're the same model as each other. Oh, just... Dash's teacher. I should have mentioned him and the characters. He's great. <laughs> He's got some good lines. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> I think of that every time somebody says the word coincidence. Yeah. I think of it. Um, I think that's everything I've got for animation. Lovely. Uh, let me just... Oh, this isn't... Again, But this is like a little story that's kind of linked. A man came to visit during the making of this movie. Just a man. Just a man. His name was... Hail Miyazaki. I saw this, actually. Yeah. Yes. He came to visit and Brad Bird took him around and showed him what they were working on. And he asked him the question through a translator, obviously. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Or does this just look like a bunch of American nonsense to you? Yes. Because 
as we know, the cultures are very different. And Miyazaki said, I think it's very adventurous what you're doing here. And I don't know what that means. No, I know. Is that a read or is that like a good thing? Yeah. <laughs> is that like shady or not? I don't know. Mm. But it but, was adventurous. He's right. Yeah. I have to say, you know, I mean, we were both saying earlier that maybe like animation's not its best because obviously CG's come a long way. It has. Um, but this was good in 2004. This was For when it came out, it was edge. great. I think it does look a little bit dated. There are some moments where it just doesn't, it just looks a bit disjointed with itself. Yes. Um, by no means is this, I mean, <laughs> I am not a CGI fan. Mm-hmm. I understand why movies are made in CGI. I'm not disputing that. It's fine. I still think Pixar are the only guys that do it 100% right. And I think as far as CGI goes, it's never going to look as nice or as good as a traditionally animated film. Mm-hmm. But, but if everything else is right, then you still have a really good film. Yeah. So although I don't think the animation of this film is great, they got everything else right. Yeah, so it and I have to say, so I I think they got I think they very cleverly having this be their first all human cast of characters, very cleverly stylized everybody. Yes, they did. Um, there's very nice and funny proportions to people. You were saying Nobody, it was almost yeah, Ardman like. It is right? almost Ardman. Yeah, yeah, like Mr. Incredible skinny little legs, but it's like massive <laughs> yeah. top half or um, um like. Or, Tim Burton-esque. Yes, like, yeah. yeah. Even, like, his boss, like, his the funny little guy, yeah. like, he just comes across, <laughs> like, something Ardman would do. Um, and I, I like that they bring that style across, which I think also, also almost covers up that maybe some of the animation wasn't that good, if that makes sense. No, I, I totally agree. They look so stylized. Yeah, they weren't they going for realism, kind of were they? Yes, they weren't going, we're going to make these look like real people. And you can sometimes, if you do that, especially around this time of, in history, like if we last season we talked about Shrek. Yeah. I think Shrek's great, but Princess Fiona, when she's a human, she's a bit scary sometimes. Yeah. Because it's like, it's like that Polar Express yeah, it's horrible. thing. It's like Uncanny Valley, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. There's, like, as humans, we have an inbuilt defence mechanism, which is to recognise something that's close to human but not human. Yeah. And characters like Princess Fiona and the kids in Polar Express, they activate that little fear in the back of your head. And yeah. Although you know you're sitting there watching an animation, you're looking at that and it makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, I don't Whereas like it. In, and even actually like Andy in Toy Story 1, yeah. he, he doesn't look human at all, but they've tried to make him look human yeah. and it kind of hurts your feelings a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's wrong. Whereas, yeah, <laughs> Everything is wrong. Everything's wrong. Whereas yeah. the Incredibles characters, you're right, they're caricatures, yeah. they're stylized, they're cartoony. They're cartoon people. Even though they've got yeah. realistic textures. Yeah. And that's kind of like a nice way of doing it. well. But he did initially, you mentioned earlier, pitch the movie to Warner Brothers. Yes. And he pitched it in a, a Warner th- Brothers style yeah, in that 2D, 2D animation. Yeah. And a part of me, it's like Ice Age as well, was initially going to have Don Bluth do it. Yes. I, I always, I want to go to a parallel version. world and see that yeah. version. Would it be better? I don't know. Yeah. So you don't want our version to be cancelled out. No, I just want to be able to see, to see the, the other, other version. Yeah. yeah, I reckon it would look deliberately like the sort of 60s comic book style. Almost a bit like the Mask of the Phantasm, Warner Brothers, Batman film. Yeah. I think The Incredibles yeah, yeah, yeah. would they look go like for that. that. Yeah. They're sort of like the black... The big square jaws. Big square and, jaws and yeah. small little black eyes that yeah. don't have anything else. Like, they're just sort of there. I think that's the kind of vibe. If, if you want to do the Disney Plus 
uh, prequel spin-off show in that style, I also wouldn't be mad. Yes, not opposed. You don't have to do it in the movie style if you don't want to. No. Um, if you want us to come on board and work some stories for you, we will also do obliged. that. Obliged. <laughs> <laughs> so, scores on the doors. I'm going to go with a six. Oh, okay. I'm going to be nicer than you. I was going to give it an eight. Okay. Music. Makes the logo around. There you go. That's it. Score. <laughs> um, this is done, the score. The score, Wee. funny, is done by a guy called Michael Giacchino. Giacchino. Yeah. Giacchino. I don't know. Giacchio. I know who you mean. Giacchio, I want to say. Okay, let's go with that. I'm going to say Giacchio. How's it spelled? Giacchio. Yeah. I think I could be right on my last attempt. Um, who did... He's, he does the music, so he'll be returning. Mm. Ratatouille. Yep. Up. Cars 2, mm-hmm. Inside Out, Coco, The Incredibles 2, Zootopia. Um, so they're, they're the films he'll be back on. And then there's some live action ones as well, I guess. He did Sky High, which <laughs> is also one of my favourite superhero films of all time. Um, the most recent Mission Impossible movies. Oh, cool. Um, the most recent Star Trek movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most recent Planet of the Apes movies. Did he do Rogue One? Rogue One. Yeah. He did. Doctor Strange. Nice. The Jurassic World trilogy. Nice. Uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man trilogy. No way. And he's going to be doing Robert Pattinson's Batman movie. He's pretty good, you know. That's, Not a bad CV That's a great CV. That's yeah, banging. Um, um, right now, in my head, yeah. for the last hour, all I can hear is... Yeah. Yeah. The cover's music is a earworm for sure. Which is sometimes we a lot of the time actually we watch films and we say the score was nice, it fit the scene, but nothing's in my head. Yeah. Can't say that this week. Can't say that this week. This is gonna be in my head until the next movie we watch. For sure. Absolutely. So Bradford (laughs) wanted a specific sound for this film. Um, He and I think this is also the look he wanted and everything Mm. because we were saying earlier that he achieved this and he wanted it with the sound, which was he wanted the music vibe to fit the aesthetic of what people from the sixties would see the future as. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah, just like you were saying that sort of Thunderbirds sort of thing. It's like people in the sixties. That's how they saw the future and those films have that sound of music that this film has so i think his vision came true um do you know they approached john barry to do the music yes, I he read was the yeah. first choice for the film score he does james bond's original score mm-hmm. um but yeah but michael giacchino was giacchio giacchio was the guy and the soundtrack and the score went on to win many an award for them yeah, so, and it is just a brilliant score. It like, is. He carries that motif of music throughout, and he does it in different ways. It's yeah. like a, a, action-packed, adventurous. It's like sad. It's cute. It's wholesome. It's like all in different ways, and it carries throughout the film. And it's such a good theme to have I love for it. the characters. Uh, it really fits the Incredibles family really nicely. I really like the soundtrack. Got an idea for a score. I'm going to say 8.5. Okay. I'm going to say 8. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Leg. <clears throat> Legacy. It's kind of big. It's kind of juicy. It's, I don't think it's the biggest ever. No. But it's big. We give <laughs> people... We give others a score for sequels. And this film has a sequel. It has, it has a sequel. It had a video game, Rise yeah. of the Underminer. 
Um, I think it's had a few video games. Has it? Yeah, I think for different devices. Yeah, that makes sense. There's one, another one, I'm sure. So it was the few. biggest selling DVD of 2005. There we go. That's quite a big thing. Um, Mine's really um, discoloured from the sun. Where is it? It's like in the corner, it's a red one, but Mr. Incredibles himself is like impossible to see. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whereas he used to be really prominent. Yeah. But he's like died. You don't really need the DVD anymore, do you? I know, but I still like them. Yeah, you like to have it on your shelf. I know. I know. <laughs> so, I mean, that's for me, that's three big points. Yeah. Um, as you said, it's been an award winning movie. Mm-hmm. So that's four. Um. Dark Horse Comics produced a limited time comic series of this. I had I no idea. That. I want to get it too. I'm going to go on eBay. I had no clue, but that's a thing. So yeah, I think that's, that's a good legacy. That's five. Um, and I'm also going to say, I don't know if this is a weird one to say, but it's it's one of those films that everybody's heard of. I think that deserves a legacy point. I feel like we've done that for things like Shrek. Yes. And things. It's one yeah. of those... It's you just go, oh, iconic, I'm watching The Incredibles tonight, and everybody's like, oh, what a good Love film. The Incredibles. Yeah. Um, I also think, uh, and I don't know, Brad Bird clearly is a very, very talented man. Mm-hmm. Even what he was doing before The Incredibles, like Iron Giant, he was making great yes. movies. Yeah. Pixar, well, obviously, a great studio making good movies, the Toy yeah. Story movies, Monsters Inc., Bugs Life. But this movie was kind of a marriage of them both. Yeah. And Brad Bird's been a huge part of Disney and Pixar ever since. And I feel like this is what started that. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if there's half a legacy point, point in, that. in that. Yeah. I reckon I'm going to give its legacy a seven. Okay. I'm going to go 6.5. Okay. So what? I'm not very good at, like, mental arithmetic, but I'm looking at these numbers and they look pretty fucking high. I think it's going to be a good scorer. Um, as we've always said, if you've, if you've reached 70, you're a good film. And mm. I think this film's definitely in there. So, for story, yes. we both gave it a 10. Okay. For characters, we both gave it a 10. Okay. For animation, I gave it a 6, you gave it an 8. Yeah. For music, I gave it an 8. You gave it an 8.5. And for legacy, I gave it a 6.5. And you gave it a 7. 84. That's it? <laughs> that's it, Lee. Wait, what do you mean that's it? That's that's our highest... No, it isn't. Yeah, it is. Oh, my God. <laughs> we just got a new winner. Is it actually? Rugrats in, in Paris has just been knocked off the top spot. What did that get? 82. 82. By two whole points as well. Oh my god, wait, can I do the maths again? Because I feel like I've done it wrong. Wait. <laughs> okay, right. Oh, hang on. Let's start again. Right, so. So I've done those. By the end of characters, we're on 40. Plus yeah. 6 plus 8. Yeah. So we're on 54. Plus 8 plus 8.5. I feel like we're on countdown. So, plus 6.5, plus 7. 84. There you go, you were right. Oh my god. <laughs> I was so happy with that, because I genuinely adore <clears throat> this film, and I think it's worthy <laughs> of being the best film we've watched. I, like I said, I think this is the greatest CGI movie 
ever. Wow. Um, I don't think we are going to watch another Pixar movie. I don't think we're going to watch a Disney CGI movie. I don't think we're going to watch a DreamWorks movie that is going to top this. That's interesting. I think I'm not sure. Is, I can't think... Uh, I can think of some really good ones. Yeah. And I can definitely think of animation that's better. Like I think Moana is gorgeous. Yeah. Um, soundtracks maybe even that are better. Yeah. But that... That straight up 40 for story and character. Yeah, true. That is going to take special. some doing. It is. Um, I think... Well, I think... I, I'm happy that it's taken the top spot. Yeah. Obviously... I'm sad for the Rugrats because it was always like a fun little thing that Rugrats was always on top. Whoa. But. Series 6 brings something new. Are we on Series 6? Yeah, we're on Series 6. And uh, it is the, I think it is the greatest CGI movie of all time. I love Rugrats being on top, but it was about time. It was about time. You're right. It was about time we had a new winner. And, and I haven't had much fun watching a film like that in so long. It's a, yeah, it's an incredible movie wait <laughs> okay so a needle pulling thread next week dreamworks dreamworks and i think another heavy hitter for me i do anyway. too i don't know if it's gonna get an 84 no but i could i could see it but getting I into think, top 10 i think it could get high yeah um so it's spirit the spirit. stallion of the cimarron it's a good film it's a great film uh, i'm very much looking forward to it uh, you're just checking you got the dvd yeah somewhere it's somewhere <laughs> in this room um there's actually a sequel to it or a, a reboot of it coming out. Yes, soon. there is. Um, so yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, join us then. In the meantime, Luke, where can we find you? At Lukey Reed, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Mark, where can we find you? You can find me at actuallymjr on Twitter, at actuallymjr underscore 2.0 on Instagram. And make sure to follow the show at Disc Doodles on both Twitter and Instagram. Um... Letterboxd is a thing, too, where you can see a complete list of all the movies that we've so far talked about. And Incredibles will be number one. Incredibles will be number one. Boom goes the dynamite. <laughs> Boom goes the dynamite. Thanks very much for listening. Drop microphone. <laughs> Let us know if you agree that uh, The Incredibles should be, the, or is the best movie that we have reviewed so far. And let me know what you think about my statement of it being the greatest CGI movie. Can you think of one that is better? Yeah. Because I'm really struggling to. I don't know if better, but I can definitely think of on pars. Helen pars. Robert pars. Dashiell pars. Yeah. Violet pars. Okay, that's enough. Pars. (laughs) Um, Thank you for listening to us talk crap for another hour. Thank you Um, so much. Enjoy. It's Christmas. Have a great time. It's not Christmas, but to me it is. I've been listening to Christmas music all month. Me too. I'm halfway through my Christmas shopping. I'm quite late, actually. Hey, I'm Normally done by now, but... I'm waiting for my bonus. I've had mine. That's why yeah. I'm cracking on, yeah. Yeah, mine doesn't come. Well, mine doesn't come. <laughs> mine doesn't come till after Christmas, so that might be that might be tough, but I'll figure it out. That's a bit counterproductive of it your work. workplace. I know. Right, anyway. Love you, bye. Love you, bye. Merry Christmas.